0: Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I am here with Russ Gay.
1: Harmony, um, uh, I've heard from the research and marketing division again. Oh, dear. <laughs> they... Um, we tasked them with finding uh, a marketing partner for the show. Cause as you know, the show's donation only.
0: <laughs> yes. And, uh, we accept donations widely.
1: <laughs> we do accept donations. Um, but the marketing partner, um, we're pretty excited about some of the work, uh, that research and, uh, and, uh, uh has put together. And, um, uh, they've come back with us they, with a uh, with dosekis. Doki Dosecchi's the beer company. Excellent. Yeah Dosecchis came back to us with a pitch. Uh-huh. they want to they try this. okay And uh, with that in mind, they want you to say this line.:
0: Okay, I don't always drink beer, but when I do, I prefer doseki.:
1: No matter what this year throws at you, enjoy dosecchis responsibly. Um So, so, with, so who's with, our
0: guest today, Russell? Well,
1: it's, you know, it's super appropriate that's, that that Dosekis is sponsoring our guest today. Our uh,
0: Dosecki is sponsoring our guest today.
1: Dosecki is sponsoring uh-huh. our guest today, uh whom I know as the most interesting man alive.
0: Wow. <laughs> that's a that's a big feat.
1: His name is Mark Stephen Pomianowski. He is a uh Pomianowski. Uh, a classically trained guitarist, an avid surfer. He studied in China for years as an acupuncturist, is certified as a Chinese medical doctor, sang tenor in the San Francisco choral. He's been clinically dead more times than I can count. (laughs) Can I introduce you to the man that I know is Sparky, my Ashtanga yoga student. Ladies and gentlemen, how are you today, Sparks? Sparks.
2: Good.
3: What a what an introduction. Uh, yet I'm a I'm a bore unto myself.
1: <laughs> uh, Sparky, we um I think the last time that we saw you, we uh we had just chartered uh Arusharat Joyce around the bay, and we just left you there on the on the boat. Is that is that the last time?
3: Yeah, that's the last time.
1: God, that's-
0: how, how nice of us to all come as a big group and just leave you to clean up the mess on the boat.
3: <laughs> that was about two years ago.
0: Yeah, it was actually. So- exactly.
1: So on top of everything else, Sparky, you're a sailboat captain.
0: Well, that
3: yeah, and that's, that's my primary work now.
0: And father of three, father of
1: three. That's that's,
0: uh, that's, that's my primary work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is your primary work. The the boat captain is the work to support the work. <laughs> exactly right. What,
1: what was that like for you, chartering Shadrat um, all around the bay that day? What what do you remember about it?
3: Uh, I remember it was it was a uh, fairly windy day, not too windy. Conditions were pretty pretty easy that day actually. And, uh, I, it was good to see some old friends and, and especially to see you guys. And, um, yeah, it was kind of a day off for me. That's what it felt like.
1: Oh, nice. nice. Well, it wasn't like, it wasn't particularly surreal at all to ha- to be out there with the renowned guru of Ashtanga Yoga, yoga. No, no, it it, it, it was, wasn't,
3: it wasn't surreal. Uh, because what, what I see on the, on the water is, is, uh, I see so many strange things happen out there that that, that that was not surreal, no.
1: What do you mean? What kind of strange things do you see out there?
3: Oh, boy. Um, I guess people just like getting really out of control drinking. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, that's what you mean by seeing strange things. Like yeah. on the boat. We
3: did. Okay, here's, okay, here, okay here, here's what happened yesterday. <laughs> I, I did a ash scattering.
0: Okay, yeah.
3: Off of uh, Alameda.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: It was a Vietnamese family, and they had uh, two monks, two Buddhist monks on board, and they had um, music, and they had uh, bells, and they had, they had drums, and they had things like this. And then they were chanting for about 20 minutes. It was really beautiful. And then uh, afterwards, they were, they were going to scatter the ashes of two different people. Mm-hmm. And when we got back to the dock, they had forgotten to scatter the ashes of one of the people. <laughs> oh, no. So, so they 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 uh they asked they wanted to give me the ashes. Really? <laughs> and, and, just they, wanted like, me, they, they wanted me to dump the ashes off the dock, which is, which is totally illegal.
1: It's a, there's a policy against that.
3: Oh, it's illegal. You can't just dump ashes. You know, you're supposed to be so many so many uh, feet away from land. You know, there's a whole mm-hmm. lot of different rules and regulations around that. Mm-hmm. Right. And um. So I refused to do it. I told her I couldn't do it. And mm. then she just wanted to give me the ashes to, like, get rid of them any way I could. <laughs> oh, no. That's, oh. I, told her, I, told her that, I told her that it was illegal to take human remains, you know, w- away with me, which I don't know whether that's true or not, but I had to say something. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she, uh, gave me, she gave me a really, a really bad tip. Uh, oh no! Before, oh <laughs> no! I mean, before she asked me to take the ashes, she gave me a bad tip. So that might... Have oh
1: been- well, okay. Yeah, all for right.
3: It, uh, for for a, for a certain price, maybe I would have taken the ashes. Right. But, but I wasn't going to do it for forty bucks. No. Um, and, and um, so um, that was pretty surreal. I, that was a first for me. Yeah. Wow.
0: wow.
1: You know, it, it reminds me of a of a story. My um. A, a guy had come into my dad's house to assassinate uh, my stepbrother. Wow. Who was dealing crack cocaine out of the house. Um, uh, my, my mom at the time was Roxanne Carter and they were in, they were in Pontiac, uh, Michigan. And it was a little, it was a <clears throat> rough neighborhood. And uh, they'd shot Mookie in the thigh and um, left the gun. And he had fled the house and I don't know if this was the time that Roxanne like fired back with the with the shotgun. Maybe that was a different time um, when someone else tried to assassinate Mookie. Or <laughs> it's Mookie. It was Man. It was Jonathan and Philip. Those are my four step brothers. And um, my dad had this gun now in the house, and he like it was like a semi-automatic uh, gun, uh, like pistol or small gun. And my dad had to had to saw the gun up in the basement, and then uh, dump it in like in like Pontiac. And that's if you're listening, uh, if the authorities are listening, that's where they can find the gun.
3: Are, are you sure this wasn't an episode of Breaking Bad? Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it just reminded me so much, like how um, when you're just telling the story, like there's so many parallels. Like you you get into some of the craziest shit, and, and like for example. I told you once about my dad, how my dad had decided to go to the Philippines. He had met a girl online and um, went out there and and brought her back to Detroit, married her, and they have a child. And I had told you this story and you said, oh, that's a cool idea.
3: Yeah, that, that was an inspiration. (laughs)
1: and so you met Anna Lou online and you went out to the Philippines and you brought her back to San Francisco and married her and now you have three kids
3: we've been together for eight years (laughs) I mean that's it'll be nine years in February
1: yeah, can I hear the can I hear the children there? Are they there with you?
2: Hi,
3: Russell.
1: Analu, how are you?
3: Good. What about you guys?
1: Good. Can I call you Mamacita or is that too <laughs> sexy? It's too sexy maybe. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's good. That's good. How is Kuya uh John? Kuya John? He's doing good. He's good. Yeah. He's a little man now. He's like 10.
3: Uh, he's 11 he'll be 12 in november
1: wow wow
3: and the and the, uh, the others those the uh, the twins will be 7 in in august oh that's amazing
1: i saw them i saw them with you on facebook like they were just like crawling all over you that's what they do oh my god <laughs> you know i don't know if our listeners know this but but um shortly after i separated from my ex-wife i needed a place to stay and I came and stayed with, I stayed with you in your house for, for like the weekend or like three or four days. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, I really needed a place to stay, you know? And I, I, I just,
3: think it might have been longer. Wasn't it about
1: a week? Maybe. And I, I just really appreciated it. But I also knew like deeply in my heart that I couldn't stay there anymore.
3: Well, we loved having you here. That's <laughs> cool. it was... We all, all miss you when you left.
1: It was nuts though. It was like waking up at like four in the morning and like having like a little alien staring at you in the face and just poking <laughs> you in the face. Yeah. You know, and it was like That's that perfect. every day. Yeah. I, I just, I just wanted, I, do you feel like these kinds of kinds of crazy things just, just happen to you? Are you different this way? Well, I mean, when that kind of stuff is happening to you,
3: how can, how can, uh, Sailing with with the guru seems surreal. It's true.
0: <laughs> You're balancing a lot of different things. That
3: that's that's about as, as as moderate as it gets for me.
1: Yeah, that was a nice quiet day. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, we took my mom out on the boat oh, yeah. for her for her 60th birthday. It might have been. I think it was 60th. Yes. And it was great because this was like the kind of thing that you were always like suggesting to our little community of Ashtanga yogis yeah, right. there in San Francisco. You guys have got to come out on the boat, got to come out yeah. on the boat. And it's like, okay, well, that sounds like, you know, horrifically expensive, thousands <laughs> of dollars, but it's actually like pretty reasonable when you get a number of people together. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Yeah. And we could, we could go out and I think we did this for my mom. We, we got a crew together and we, and we, we got like 10 people to go out with my mom and go out underneath the golden gate bridge. And it was amazing. And, um, God, I think we nearly died. Didn't we?
3: No, we didn't nearly die. We had, we had what is called an accidental jibe. (laughs) What is that? And that, that is when the, there's two ways you can turn a sailboat. You can turn it uh, into the wind and across the wind, Mm -hmm. or you turn it away from the wind and across the wind. And when you do that, the sail will flop from one side to the other. Yeah. Now, now when you're turning into the wind across the wind, that's called tacking, and what happens there is that as you turn through the wind, everything slows down because suddenly the sail's not getting any wind because you're directly into it. However, when you jibe, that's the opposite. You're turning across the wind without ever having any stop of momentum, and and uh, so so it everything tends to slam over to the other side if you if you don't have it under control. And and an accidental jibe is when that happens. Accidentally, you don't mean to turn that way, but you do. And you're not really prepared for what it's going to do to the sails. Uh-huh. Everything went, you know, slamming across and yeah. it made a lot of noise and the boat kind of leaned over for a little bit, but it's not really dangerous. It just, it just feels alarming.
1: Well, it was, we all felt alarmed. And yeah. what I, what I, I remember I noticed is the, that. <laughs> time kind of stopped for us as we, as the, as the boat, what is that when the boat kind of turns sideways? What is that? Well, Lol? you, you mean it? When, it, when it leans? Leans, yeah. It yeah, leans, yeah, exactly. it leaned, and the ocean was like right there at the edge of the boat. Yeah, so that's, like,
3: that's, that's called healing over. But but those boats are designed, <laughs> they're designed to not tip over. I mean, you, you would need you would need like a 40-foot wave to smash <laughs> it to tip
1: that thing over. Well, so we were this, all gripped very tightly, staring at the water, well, thinking well, that... Well,
3: none of, you, none of you understood that, and... and <laughs> I never explained
1: it, and then, and then after the fact, when I explained it to your mom, she didn't buy it. No. <laughs> and like you had me like working on some kind of rope. You said Russell, go grab that rope, yeah, and I was pulling on it, yeah. and it wasn't moving anywhere. And at that point, we were all pretty sure that yeah, things had gone really badly.
3: Yeah, I, I was mo- I was mostly concerned that the sail would tear. <laughs> Not that you
1: would lose any passengers. That wasn't your main concern. I, I, I,
3: never, I, I never, I never thought, I never thought that as a possibility, or the boat tipping over. I, I was mostly concerned that the sail was going to tear, and I was going to have a lot of explaining to do when I got back to the dock.
0: Um, yeah, that's a problem.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah, that was a big problem.
1: Yeah, I was, I was scared for the sail too. Probably.
0: <laughs> yeah. sounds like you were scared for your life. I, it,
1: well, honestly. Um, my mom said it was the best birthday she ever had oh. and it was fantastic going out <laughs> I'm
3: glad there part of that.
1: being together. Um, I, I, I remember all the little details of that trip. So, so intense, intensely. Um,
0: so how did you and Sparky come to meet each other? How did you walk into? Well, I was,
3: I was, the short story is that, that, uh, I was studying with Noah Williams and, uh, mm-hmm. um, he passed his practice over to Russell, and then I would continue going to the class, so I met him.
1: That's right. So Noah was was teaching uh, at subbing. was subbing at Johnny and Heidi's place yep. in the city. Yeah. And you were there working with him, and then I was the next guy up. Yeah. And so we transitioned and, and um, I started teaching. But how did you even end up in an Ashtanga yoga studio in the first place?
0: Yeah, how that's, did you end that, up in Noah's
3: class? That's even a longer story. And uh, that starts out with if you just in my interest in yoga in general, uh, you know, starting from my older brother who was in college, I was in high school, and he brought back uh, uh, a book from Patavi Joyce in Ooh. high school. And I I was in high school. I, I was, I was a, I think that, this would have been like maybe 1974.
0: Maybe it was Iyengar Light on Yoga.
3: Um, I'm pretty sure it was Patavi Joyce, but but, but I, I wonder if it was Iyengar.
0: I think it was Iyengar.
3: Well, anyway, it was it was this orange little thin orange book,
0: and oh. I,
3: I and I remember that the uh, um, the routine that I was studying was the same thing that I was taught in Ashtanga.
0: Huh. Boom. Wow. A little and, thin and, orange book. I'm, I'm almost right? sure it
3: was it was Patavi Joyce because I, I I believe that he had introduced it to to uh, to the West around that time, right?
1: Well, the book, I I feel like Light on Yoga was a popular book, and it might have been like a Shivananda book with some sun salutations in it, or
0: the Ashtanga Yoga Primer by uh Baba Haridas? Maybe?
1: Baba Haridas, did he have an Ashtanga yoga primer? Yeah,
0: but I don't know well, it, this, what year it was this, published.
3: This, uh, I got a hold of this I'd say in 1974 and um, uh, so it must you know it's was published before that.
0: Some uh, mysterious yoga book yeah. with an orange cover.
3: But but but, but every ever you know a, after that and I went to many yoga classes it never when I, when I finally went to an ashtanga class, that was the first time I was like, "Oh yeah, this is what I was learning." Oh,
2: about. weird.
3: Ah. Yeah, and and so so that and so it really like resonated with me. But 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 that was um you know my brother, I was learning it just straight out of the book. I didn't have a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, was, I was just like copying what I saw in the book, and I, I'd go up to the beach and do it in the sand, and and uh, and I remember, uh, I and then I you know I, I was. I kind of gave it up. You know, I got kind of tired of doing it. I just kind of gave it up. And then over the years I would go to, you know, different yoga classes and see if it would grab me. And then I started to, uh, then I started, started to have a Tai Chi practice that became much more, uh, uh, I guess a deeper practice, you know, where I was doing it every day. Mm -hmm. And I did that for about 15 years. And, and then I had met Magnolia Mm -hmm. and,
1: Oh, the Magnolia Zuniga, the certified yes. yoga, uh, yoga teacher in and, California. And
3: she, right. And, she, and and we got into a discussion about kind of like, you know, Tai Chi versus yoga, you know, and, and, and uh, I, I was making all these ridiculous statements about it. And she said, why don't you try it before you start talking about it? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so I did. And, uh, you know, I mean, I I was, that, that was the end, you know, like I, I, I actually stopped my Tai Chi practice and took on the yoga practice and that was, that would have been two thousand nine, so that was uh, you know twelve years ago. No, no wait a second. How did you meet Magnolia? I met Magnolia through a group of of uh, uh, of aspiring yogis, actually. That, mm-hmm. And uh, I was I was connected with all these people, and uh, she was just you know one of the one of the group.
1: Okay, and you, and you guys had like a like a following, and in, in that you had you had you had uh, you were working together like in San Francisco or in Oakland, and you are just, just had a, like kind a club.
0: This sounds very interesting. Yeah. It was, it was like a sangha.
3: And, 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 uh, and so we, you know, we, we, we became friends and we were playing music together and, and, you know, we, we got to be good buddies and, and, uh, uh, you know, and then over the years and, and then like, you know, it, it wasn't until maybe, um, you know, seven or eight years later that I actually went to it, to her yoga class. Mm. I I had already known her, and, you know, I, got, I knew she was going to India and I was, you know, I was following like, you know, her adventures and she was, she would tell me about what's going on in <laughs> India and, and how she met patavi Joyce. And, and, uh, so I, I was, you know, interested from afar of like what she was up to. Right. And then, um, she came back and invited me into her class. And, and, uh, when I took the class, it reminded me of, you know, like it was more like a martial arts than, than any yoga class that I had ever been in. mm mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and that really appealed to me, especially from coming from Tai Chi uh, and, uh, um, you know, I just knew it was the right thing for me.
0: Yeah. Was right. Magnolia your first teacher of Ashtanga yeah, yeah. yoga?
3: Well, she, she was my first Ashtanga teacher and, and, uh, set me on the right path there. And, and, uh, I'm forever grateful for
0: that. And then you went to Noah from there.
3: Yeah. And then she, she, rec- she, she recommended I go to Noah. Okay.
1: Did she know that she was going to lose you as a student to me, do you think, directly by doing, making that choice? Because <laughs> that maybe, would have maybe stuck in her craw slightly. Maybe she planned it. <laughs> <laughs> it's very possible. Well, that's awesome. Let's, I think it would be fun. I think we should go through your, your entire life story one more time, and we should go back to high yeah. school. Yeah. Um, I, do, I do need to take a commercial break. Um, yes. <laughs> for all your drinking needs, try Dosequis. Stay thirsty, my friends. Harmony, when was the last time you had a Dosequis?
0: I don't remember. I think it might have been in Mexico. Okay.
1: Fantastic. <laughs> you nearly died there.
0: I did. Yeah.
1: A scorpion bit you.
0: I did get bit by a scorpion oh, in yeah. Mexico.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember you sent me a picture once with you on a beach holding a Dosequis. And I thought, wow, that's really <laughs> fantastic. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Speaking of stay thirsty, um, Sparky, I have, we're going to get to the point where we're, we're going to ask about your nickname as well. But in high school, you're out there in, um, in Long Island. Is that right? No, oh, in New Jersey. New Jersey. Okay. And yeah. you're, on the, you're close enough that you're able to go to the beach. Do you, are you surfing at that time? New Jersey, where the stars shine.
0: That was good. That's good. That's authentic.
3: Which one of your parents sounded the most like that? Uh, neither of them. They, they they didn't have those that kind of accent. Oh, uh, They did? They didn't. No, uh, they, they had more of what we would call a mid-Atlantic
1: accent. Mid-Atlantic. What does that sound like? Is that you? That's what you sound yeah, like? No, it's
3: like, kind of like me. It's
1: like, kind of like uh, Central Jersey to Maryland. Wow. Oh, okay. Okay. And and your your folks, your dad's Polish Pomianowski. I think you yeah. pronounce it the American way, Pomianowski. Yeah. Yeah. I I was formerly a I, uh, I was I was engaged to a Polish girl at one point. And I learned how to speak Polish.
3: Yeah, you can say oh, a few yes, words. So then, so then you would know that. Yeah,
1: that's pa- yeah, pa- pa- Pomianowski. Right. which is um, where are the pretty girls. <laughs> <laughs> I, um. So. Uh, resum resume, uh, a uh, polski. So, um, no resume. No. Oh no. You don't understand Polish. Okay. Uh, um, so, uh, your mom's Italian among other things. Yeah. Which I, as I understand it, like they strongly supported you in the musical arts and then you ended up in a musical conservatory. Were they musical at all?
3: Uh, well, I, I, I wasn't in a conservatory. I was in a in a in a uh, music program at at a state college that that was linked to a conservatory in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they, they were very supportive of, of my music, and uh, um, they were not musical. No, they or they well, actually they didn't play any instruments. Let me put it that way. My mother loved to sing.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, my father didn't really really uh, play music or even really sing very much, but he. He used to listen to like odd stuff like uh, these, these really old folk songs or opera, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he, he, didn't, he didn't really, like he would never go out and buy an album or like sit down and listen to music. He would have to be working and, and he'd be working out in the garage with like opera playing, you know, and I, I always thought that was just really cool.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh. And then, and then, or he might have these, like, these old, old folk songs like from the 1940s or something.
1: What was he working on in the garage?
3: Oh, you know, he just, he, he, I think he was just trying to get away from all of this, you know, when you just go out there. Fluttering <laughs> 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 around with stuff and I'd hear like wood cutting and I'd hear like, you know, chipping and banging and, but I never really saw what he was doing. <laughs> uh, guys,
1: guys, just, guys from that age, like they did that. Like they went yeah. out and they escaped in their yeah. shed and they'd just be making noise and like yeah. making nothing happen out there. Yeah, yeah. They were always out there.
2: <laughs> yeah. He,
3: he he was kind of like a, a do it yourself or. You know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, but his projects were really funny. You like to see how you could do it.
1: (laughs) How were they funny?
3: Well, they were just, you know, they were, they were just obviously not done by a professional. And, and, uh, <laughs> but, but, but they, but they kind of like had his signature all over it, you know? So.
1: Yeah. Wow. That's, that sounds like, just like my grandpa, he was out there in the woodshed, ma- he made all of their own furniture yeah. and it, and it looked like it. Oh, right. yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, you ended up being like a kind of musical prodigy, though. Like
3: you're really I not, gifted. I was, not, I was not a prodigy. I, I was definitely <laughs> not a prodigy. I, I was struggling to catch up with with uh, the rest of the program, and I, oh. I, had, I had I had started late. Um, I started playing guitar when I was six. T- well, I took lessons when I was like in second grade, but I but I didn't keep it up up with it. But then I started to play seriously when I was about sixteen,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: and my brother's roommate. Who, who went on to be the guitar player for Allen Ginsberg? Oh, he. he, uh, he the poet? Yeah. Oh. And, and he.
1: Um, what kind he, of band he, is he,
3: that? He, he kind of, kind of uh, you know, he inspired me to, to play because he told me he, when, I, when I was introduced to him by my brother, he told me he was a guitar major. And it was at a time when I was in high school trying to decide, you know, if I wanted to go to college, what would my major be? When he said guitar major, I thought, is there such a thing as a guitar major? Yeah, said, yeah I'd like to do that. That sounds like a great, you know, that sounds like a great thing to study. So I just, but I didn't know how to play guitar. And, and so I asked him, I said, what do I have to do to become a guitar major? And he said, if you can play this song. And he played Bach's uh, Boré and E minor. Beautiful, wow. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece from, yeah. from, from a cello suite. And he said, "If you can play this song for your audition, you're in." And wow. so I went. So I went from like I, I knew I had a year and a half to, to go from not playing at all to playing the boree. Is,
1: is that something you could do now?
3: If I had the desire. Okay. Oh, you mean you mean can I play the boree now? Yeah. I forgot. I forgot how to play. Yeah. Okay. It. Okay, okay. But right. I still, I mean, you know, I have the finger dexterity to still play it, but I don't. I just stopped playing it, so I don't remember. But okay. So anyway, I had a year and a half to, to build that up. And so I went to a guitar teacher and I told him what I wanted to do. And he said, well, this is how you're going to do it. And he, had, he, I just started doing scales. And I, I did scales three hours a day, nothing but scales, three hours a day, seven days a week without uh-huh. pause. And I did. I, I think in that year and a half, I may have missed one or two days practice. And every day was at least three hours. And I And I got to the point where I did – I could play it and I passed the audition. Wow. And, and then when I passed the audition, I was, you know, I was uh, probably in the middle of the class. Okay. And, you know, as far as, as far as uh, students were. Yeah. Uh, as, as, as far as new students were. And, uh, and so I knew I had like a long way to go and a lot of work to do. And, mm-hmm. uh, but I wasn't willing to to do what it takes to become a classical guitarist. So. I dropped out of it. eventually.
1: I, I remember you told me a story about the guitar teacher as well. And, and like, it's a, it's a beautiful day in Jersey and, and, and the sun is shining and the beach is calling you. And you were looking at this gnarled old man. Uh, he's probably like, like 42 or 43. <laughs> and, and you thought to yourself that you didn't want to look like that guy and, and be inside on a, on a on a nice day with your body kind of all gnarled up like oak like that. Is that
3: Yeah, does you, know, you tell me something, that. I, I, something like that. I don't I don't really remember who the person I saw like that was or it may have been a number of people that I saw like that. Um but but I remember like looking at classical guitarists and seeing that they were you know, they did not look physically fit in any way and uh, especially the older ones and and they were you know really hunched over and and uh you know and I and I saw that as as a future that i didn't
1: want right
0: you're our third classical guitarist oh wow
3: well.
1: on
0: on the show is that oh, right andrew john oh and yeah they're Sparky. all they
1: all studied cla- music in school yeah that's and, right. classical guitar and classical and classical and they all studied specifically you know it, it was it
3: was a, it was a very difficult decision for me to make to, to to stop to quit that you know after i had worked so hard to get it yeah and, And plus, you know, like the teachers I was studying with were just top notch. I mean, he's like, what an opportunity. And, and, uh, and so my parents, you know, they didn't, they didn't really, I knew they were disappointed that I was, that I wasn't going to do it, especially my mom, but they didn't really put any pressure on me. Like, you know, I, I, but I was mostly disappointed in myself. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And, and, uh, and, and so for a few years, you know, I was really hurting about that. Like, did I make the right decision? Should I have done that? Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until later that, that I realized, yeah, I did make the right decision.
1: Why do you think it was the right decision?
3: Uh, because I, I, guitar playing became a much happier thing for me eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, instead of just like this, you know, tremendous life's challenge that, that uh, um, you know, that there wasn't a whole lot of joy in it compared to the, the, the uh, pain that I was going through. Yeah. Trying to learn how to play like that. And... and uh, so so you know it 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 kind of also allowed me to do other things that I wanted to do that that I you know would would never have been able to feel um at peace if I didn't do those things
0: mm. i think that's a common story of many artists yeah of all all sorts of different disciplines but when you get into those you know into the school or the college um and you're studying the discipline and everything, and there's so much pressure around it and it becomes very serious and not yeah. so much fun anymore and you kind of start to not enjoy it or not like it. And it's hard to get that joy back yeah. sometimes unless you stop the the pain, stop the yeah. bleeding.
1: Stop the pain early. in
3: my family, you know, art and music has always been, you know, a real high ideal and so you know, my brother was a was a, was a uh, fine artist, and and uh, you know, and all all of us are always involved in some creative thing. Like you know, lately I've been doing a lot of like wooden sculptures and things like that. So there there's always you know there's a lot of creativity that that you know was really reinforced in us as kids, and day mm-hmm. we continue to to produce stuff.
1: Yeah. I would I would say the same for me. You know, my my dad was painting, my mom was writing. Um, you know, my brother was a creative and so I, I was, it just felt, you know, the, like the right thing to do. It was just the most natural thing that I needed to do and I needed yeah. to do it. I still need to do it every day. Um, just for our listeners, don't go to art school. Though.
0: <laughs> drink Dos <Equis. laughs> Drink Dos Equis,
1: Drink responsibly. Go to university responsibly. Get a law degree like your mother said. And, and getting a law degree is easier than, than
3: getting through music school. Oh, for fucks yeah! Tell <laughs> me about it. Music school, you cannot fake it. You you get up on the stage and you can play, it or you can't, and everybody knows it.
0: Yeah, 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 that's the thing with the performing arts for sure. But,
1: yeah, you, I was something else that you were you were talking about. reminded me. Um, I had the opportunity to see a band. Uh, they might be Giants, which is one of my favorite bands of yeah. all time. And I can recite most of their songs. Um, I, saw, I had the, I, I saw them when I was 19, or actually 17 in, in Detroit. And then I saw them when I was 37 in San Francisco. So it was 20, 20 years later. And I remember seeing John Flansborough, the, um, tromb- trombonist saxophonist accordion player, like he played all those instruments. Yeah. And I, and I remember he turned around and I saw what had happened to him and that the accordion had broken him.
2: Oh yeah. And he had
1: turned into like a giant S curve or maybe he was predisposed, but he, um, yeah, his body's ruined.
3: Yeah. An accordion will ruin your back for sure.
1: Yeah. And I was,
3: or or violin players with their neck problems, you know, like every, every instrument has its own, you know, its own, uh,
0: Achilles like heel. Yeah.
1: yeah probably yeah. probably the
3: best one to play is drums. Yeah.
1: Though <laughs> <laughs> so, but they all die. Every band <laughs> has a dead oh, drummer.
3: Well anybody who saw Spinal Tap knows that.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's exactly right. So okay, so set us up now, Sparky. You're you're seventeen, you've decided yeah. against pursuing um music as a as an educational degree
3: no no i know i decided that probably at, probably i was around 20.
1: oh at 20. okay yeah. yeah so at 20 you've moved on and then did you join like the the french foreign legion like you ended how what did you do do you you ended up on a uh, as a boat captain or yeah, working well, on a boat well, you know as
3: as a real little kid you know like my dream was to be a captain and i used to i used to always wear this captain's hat and and uh, i i had like a whole bunch of captain's hats in my closet and and you know i was i was constantly imagining myself as a captain
2: mm-hmm.
3: and so it's so it, and then my father had a boat you know when i was you know from from as long as i can remember so i was mm-hmm. I, you know, I learned how to sail at a very early age and and uh um so i spent a lot of time on the water and um when i was 20 i left New Jersey and I uh, went to North Carolina where I got a job on a fishing boat mm-hmm. and I worked as a commercial fisherman for a few years. Mm-hmm. And, and that started my, you know, professional boat, uh, my, you know, boat work.
1: Is that how you came up with the, the nickname Sparky? Was it then? No,
3: that's hold on for a second. I'm just going to close my door. <laughs> Nobody can above, bug me. Okay, yeah, uh, that, that, that name came. That, that name came uh, from two different places, actually. And uh, the, the first time I heard it, I was working on a boat, a yacht that we were converting from a mine from a minesweeper. It was a British minesweeper built in the 1950s. We were converting it into a yacht for a Saudi Arabian prince.
2: Oh wow! Uh, oh and, 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 yeah. And, uh,
3: the boat was in Florida. It was in Fort Lauderdale. And, uh, I, I saw this boat, uh, was, it was like a big wreck, you know, when I saw it on the dock and I thought, Oh, this is a boat that they, they need help at. So I went and I asked for a job <clears throat> and, um, I ended up getting the job on it. And, uh, I ended up working as the assistant engineer and the, uh, the engineer was fired En route. Uh, we were, we were going to take the boat from Florida to, Saudi Arabia. Wow. Holy. And, and on the way uh, in Bermuda, we start our first stop was Bermuda and they fired the engineer in Bermuda. What? The, the engineer on the boat was fired in, in, in Bermuda. But why? Why? Oh, uh, he got, he got, he didn't get along with the captain and the captain's wife who was a cook and then, and then uh, insulted the captain's wife and then, you know, uh, <laughs> got really drunk and, and uh, him and I had, you know, had a little bit too much to drink one night and, and then and then we raided the uh the the uh refrigerator <laughs> and, and ate all the ice cream and uh the the uh the engineer there was a big there was a big po- there was a big like magnetic board up on the refrigerator and it said refrigerator's off limits and the, <laughs> the engineer <laughs> the engineer uh in his drunken state, ripped the, the sign off the refrigerator. He thought it was—he thought it was like magnetically attached, but it was actually glued on. Oh. And and he ripped it off, and with it, and then he wrote over the sign. He wrote, "We have to eat." Okay, and <laughs> the two of us both laughed about that. And then we proceeded to eat all the ice cream that was that was supposed to be for the entire trip across the Atlantic. Uh, one ice cream bar after another. Jesus. And then, and, and then. Uh, and then yeah, we thought that was really funny. And then I went down to my bunk and went to sleep. And then he he, he strolled off into the main salon and pulled the drapes off the window
2: and,
3: <laughs> and rolled himself up like a burrito inside of it and just crashed out on the floor of the main salon. And, and when he woke up, the captain was was kicking him
2: <laughs> inside of his burrito. And... Uh,
3: and, the, and then the captain came down, and no, the crew came down and said, "The captain wants to see everybody in the main salon right now." And, and I and I I woke up you know, <laughs> and I I, I I didn't I didn't forget what had happened the night before. <laughs> so I went up with kind of like with my hat in my hand and my head down, and I sat down and everybody's sitting around the main salon. And the captain pulls out the sign that that that, he, that had been destroyed and held it up and said, "Who's responsible for this?" Yeah. And the and the engineer like raised his hand,
1: <laughs> and he was out. He was that was it. He was done. But how come you weren't? How come he didn't take you with him? How come he? D- he couldn't. He well, well. F- f- first of all, he 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 was looking for any
3: excuse to get rid of the guy. They they, they didn't like him. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. But and they should have fired you too. I mean, you were.
3: They should have, but they couldn't. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because because first of all, this was a this this is not a sailboat. This is a this is a powerboat that we're taking across the ocean. Right. And, and they need an engineer.
0: Right. Oh. Now,
3: now I'm the, I was, don't forget, I was the assistant engineer. I, w- I, w- I am no engineer, and I right. still am not. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, but I was, I was the closest thing that they had to an engineer. And on this boat, there was, I think, seven of us. Not one of us had ever done an ocean crossing. Oh, my, my God. God. Including the captain. <laughs> and, and uh, in fact, the only people who even had sea time were me and the captain out of seven, and possibly uh, a um, uh, a guy, that, a navigator that was hired later, who, who turned out to be you know insane. So, so, so and, and whether he at sea time is questionable, but he claimed to be at sea time. So, so we were gonna we were gonna take this boat to <laughs> Broadway, and and, uh, and the the captain later said that he carried that boat on his back. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs>
1: Oh my god. It kind of it, it's like reading a Wikipedia page, and there's all this hypertext where you think, should I click that and find out more <laughs> about this story? I know. Or should I just keep reading? You know? There are, there are, we,
3: we, could, we could
1: probably do this every day for the next month. And, and I know. It. I know. I really like sometimes you feel like you know somebody and you know all their stories, and then you just like peel back a layer of an onion and like, oh, here's a whole nother. Wikipedia, you know, whirlpool well till I could I could sink into, um, but at, but there's something to do with a screwdriver and you got well, electrocuted. Yeah. So Is that so the what,
2: trip?
3: Yeah, but what happened was that he, the captain then came to me and said, "Do you want to be the engineer, the chief engineer?" Mm-hmm. And he said he said you're going to get a you know you're you're going to get a raise from eight hundred dollars a month to a thousand dollars a month. Great. And 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 you'll be one of the ship's officers. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> sure. I can do that. I'd love to do that. Yeah, I want to be a ship's officer. Right. And and uh and so little that I realize is that, you know, we're we're taking a motorboat across the Atlantic and I'm the engineer. Like I, it didn't that didn't that didn't sink into my brain. That
1: means that it's your job to keep the motor running. It's my and, right. And now you don't know we, how to do that and if you don't keep well, the motor I, running I, 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 I have, you'll I be dead at yet. sea.
3: Listen, I had a van, and I had I changed parts on my van, so I knew how to do that. And
1: and, 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 there, I, and there was, I know how to change parts on my on my car too, but I'm not taking a boat across the Atlantic, man.
3: And, and, uh, and this and this this boat had four Volvo's, four four Volvo diesel engines, you know, big huge tractor engines. They could get four of them. Oh wow. my god! And, and so, and 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 you know, there was a manual, so I figured, yeah, sure. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, but I, didn't know, do I didn't know enough to. I not I didn't know enough to buy spare parts. Oh. I, didn't know, I didn't know enough to even to buy spare wire or spare tubing or, or like the most basic stuff, even spare light bulbs. I didn't. I didn't buy anything. I, we just like left Bermuda.
1: That's not your job. You're the engineer. That's the captain's job. It's requisitions, <laughs> so the procurement so I was, officer. I
3: was, I was to leave. I was to leave Bermuda with nothing. Oh, no. And except for what, what the engineer had left on the board himself. And I just yeah. assumed that he had like what we needed.
2: Yeah. Right.
3: And, and uh, so as we, were, as we were going across the Atlantic, one of the jobs was that you – know, the reason we had four engines, we had two engines to, to run the props, and we had two engines that were generator engines that we would run you know electricity and everything else on. Mm-hmm. And so to, to save the engines, it was my job to shut down one generator engine every 12 hours and turn the other one on and switch them over every 12 hours. Well, you know, a real engineer would have realized that before you shut down and turn on another engine, you shut the whole system down. Oh. Otherwise, you'll get a huge surge.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, that would be dangerous.
3: And so what was happening is that I was noticing that the light bulbs were blowing out, uh, oh. you know, more, and the, well, the boat was getting darker and darker, and, <laughs> and, 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 including the engine room. <laughs> and, and the, the light bulbs were blowing out, and and we didn't have replacements and so you know it was just getting darker and, I'm, and i couldn't understand like why the light bulbs were blowing out and then in, in the most cartoonish way possible i switched over the engine one night and the light bulb above my head blew out mm. i mean literally the it was like literally the light bulb going on you know like oh now i understand <laughs> Now I understand why this is happening. <laughs> <laughs> but by this time, we were out of light
2: bulbs. <laughs> oh, and so, so this, is level,
3: this is the level that you are dealing with as an engineer.
2: Mm.
3: And, and um, so, anyway, I had, I had to do some electrical work down there in the engine room. And, and this, is, this is an old minesweeper, so this has got—you know—this is a very high-powered vessel. This thing, uh, you know, had a lot of electronics and, and a 440-volt panel as opposed to, to typically what you might see is a 220 panel. Mm-hmm. So it's twice like as powerful as, you know, you know and, and like, you know, house house electricity in the U.S. is 120 or 110 rather. So this is 440.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. That that puts it so in so perspective.
3: four times what you get in the U.S. I guess in Canada, you get 220 up there? No, I,
1: think I don't
3: so. think so. That's England. Oh, 110 also. Okay. Well, yeah. Anyways, yeah, so, so, well. so, so this 440 panel, I went, I you know, I I shut everything down or so I thought. And then I went over to unscrew uh, a screw to take out a fuse, and when I touched the screwdriver to it, I just got shot across the engine room. And the last thing I remember seeing is like a blue flash.
1: Yeah, that's you dying.
3: (laughs) And I saw this blue flash, and I landed, and and I and I went through the air, and I landed two hands down on a hot turbocharger. Oh. And and, 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 uh, and I mean, hot. I mean, this thing, is, <laughs> uh, the, the, the temperature gauge that was reading would, would read like 900 or something crazy. Oh, my like gosh. Like two hands with all my weight flat on top of it. Like I was doing a push-up <gasps> off, off the turbocharger. I come, up, I, come, I come up like, like you know, horrified. I come up and, 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 I, and I see immediately two blisters. I see two blisters like just form in front of my eyes on my hand.
2: Oh my I see God.
3: two blisters both blisters were, were in the shape of my hand. <laughs> I, had two, I had two giant blisters that were like, with the, with the fingers and everything, like just like in the shape
1: of my hand. And yeah, so I come wait, up. Wait a second. The, the blisters were on your hand? Or the where?
2: whole, I'm, I'm,
3: the I'm whole like, palm The whole palm was a blister. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, okay. Both
2: hands.
3: So I come up and I'm looking at that like, oh my God. And I come out of the engine room
2: <laughs> and,
3: I, and I got my hands up in the air. I come out of the engine room and I'm just like looking looking at my hands in like absolute horror. And, and the, the crew looks up at me. They're, they're, like, they're all goofing off in the main salon. They're all like laying around the couches and everything. And they look up at me as I come through the engine room. One guy says to me, what happened to your face? <laughs> <laughs> <And> so I,
2: <laughs>
3: I, I looked in the mirror, and uh, the left side of my face was swollen out, like somebody had punched me on the left side of my face. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, and at that moment, now I started to feel, like, the pain in my face. Because before that, I was swollen you know, to my hands. I didn't feel my face. But now I, now I started feeling my face throbbing. And, and so what had happened, and I and this was all uh, kind of uh, Confirmed for me when I studied acupuncture about
2: how <laughs> but
3: I I, uh, I realized that when I touched the screwdriver to the to the electric panel the current went up my arm and out my jaw so it was like being punched from the inside yeah and had had it gone through my heart or through my brain you know may have killed me yeah I, it actually probably would have killed me if it had gone through my heart it probably would have killed me. Yeah. or or if it didn't throw me but grab me instead right. yeah
1: grab you so right so but it I, was threw really you.
3: Lucky. I was really lucky and um but you know but I also remember before I became the the even before I became the assistant engineer I saw a guy down there who who was who was one of the deckhands who also didn't know what he was doing Pl- playing around uh, he was trying to fix something in the engine room and he didn't know what he was doing and I and he got I saw him I saw him get trapped in a corner with like this arcing electrical current in front of him. And he was screaming behind it. And, and so it, it was, you know, it was the same panel. So that panel obviously had, it had previous problems.
1: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'll, I'll do that, and that job. And, that, and that, actually happened, that actually happened while we were tied up at the dock in Florida. So, so like, you know, I knew that that boat had some issues. With yeah.
1: And so who came, who came up with the word, the name Sparky at that point? Well, I don't
3: remember exactly who it was in that, in that group. I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking it might've been a, A uh, a New Zealand guy that I who actually who heard the story and I met him later. I think he's the first one I think that started calling me Sparky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, then, uh, but then, like after I left that group of people and I left Europe and I wasn't no longer part of any of that, you know, the the name disappeared. And then when I moved to San Francisco, I started working for Greenpeace and I made some friends there. And uh, one of my friends started calling me Sparky uh, because of my spontaneous nature. Yeah. And,
1: and you know, so that's what it really stuck. I totally yeah. forgot. And I didn't even put it on my list of questions that you were a roadie for REM and that you and Michael Stipe are friends.
3: Well, we, we were friends. I haven't seen him in many years, but, but, uh, I wasn't a roadie. I, I was a, a Greenpeace representative that,
1: right. That was- and but you guys would all eat together.
2: Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And it was on the road constantly. And he used to tell me about how Michael Stipe would would really protect his voice and speak in a very low, yeah. soft voice, yes, he wasn't exactly using it. it all the time.
3: Yeah, I I thought, Michael, I thought Michael was a genius.
1: And didn't he he tell you at one point like you need to 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 get you need to get your life together and figure out and do the thing you want to do? Yeah,
3: he did.
0: That's good advice for all of us yeah he, he,
3: he, he did because I, he, I, I was I was at acupuncture school and uh, REM was was uh, going to travel and do a tour through europe and yeah I wanted, I wanted to go, and by going meant that I would have to drop out of acupuncture school and and so he called me into into to, uh, into the bus one day and had a long talk with me about uh, you know how he would love for me to go on the trip, trip with him and how, much, how great the trip was going to be and you know, but he said that if I did go, I'd be out of my mind. <sighs> but he said, if you quit, if you quit, uh, uh, acupuncture school so you can tour around with a rock band you're insane.
1: <laughs> wow. And, and so great. I
3: really wanted to quit and I really wanted to go, but I knew he was right. And I took his advice.
1: Was this, this was before, um, before the, uh, the big album that I can't even remember, not, not eponymous, but, um, the, the one that's like before, in 1992, uh, 93, there was a really massive hit, no, yes, uh, losing it, your religion yeah. album. Yeah,
3: yeah, It was made right before that. It was, it was, it was um, I can't remember the name of the album. It was the, it was the. Green? No, the one before that.
1: Okay. Document. It was called Document, Document. Yeah.
3: It was, it, we, uh, we were touring that particular show hmm. and uh, it was like a traveling circus. I, there was a lot of great people that I met on that. And you know that all the people I met associated
1: with them were just you know really great people. You ended up like being the light guy at one point.
3: Uh, well, that was that was a, that was a, a little bit different. That that was a backup band called the Feelies. And oh, the it, Feelies! Yes, and the oh, feelies. they're great. Yeah, yeah, I love them. The Feelies were fantastic. Oh. And they, and, uh, the Feelies, they, they they lost their light man, and the manager was panicked, and he he asked me, uh, no, I asked I asked. Uh, I was, I was talking to him about the lights because he was trying to control the lights, but he didn't really have time to do it because of all his managerial tasks. And he said, do you know how to use a light board? And I figured to myself, well, I, you know, I've I've, I've, I've uh, I, told I could be an engineer to cross the Atlantic, I can certainly figure out a light
2: board. <laughs>
3: and, and So I told him, yeah, I, I could do a light board. And so he said, he, he showed me a couple of basic things and said, here, take it, he goes, you know, do it. It's amazing. So, uh, I did like, I don't know, maybe... Maybe you know half a dozen or more shows, maybe maybe six to ten shows. Uh, and you're remote.
1: absolutely not supposed to touch the REM lights when no, you're doing no, the no, Feely no, no, lights.
3: They were they were completely separate. The, the REM yeah. lights were completely separate from. It was all on the same board, but it was all taped off with masking tape. And and I didn't know that. And so I <laughs> I, I used I used all of REM's lights for the Feely's first show and got me some trouble for that. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and, and then, plus, you know, I was so excited to do it that I, I had lights like going off, like you know, everywhere. Like it, it was, it was like, uh, you know, a nuclear blast happened on stage. It was like
1: and, a sparks show. Yeah. yeah, it really was. It, it was like mm.
3: the, it was like in, in big letters that the, the marquee would have read "Sparky's oh. light Show." <laughs> small letters, the feelies. It,
0: it, was, it was
1: like that, and and, uh, and they let me know.
0: <laughs> they let you know.
1: Well, look, how do we get from you taking a boat to a Saudi prince, um, blowing off half your face and <laughs> electrocuting yourself to then being in San Francisco in acupuncture school in the first oh, place. Man,
3: that's a, that's a long, that's a long journey.
1: But like, how do you, why did you give that up? Like, how did you even think, how does a, an engineer on a boat or a, a midshipman or whatever, the, 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 whatever they call you people, how do you say, I'm going to do acupuncture?
3: It's not, it's not a, it's not a direct
1: jump mm-hmm. and it, it may not even be a linear jump. You mean that it might've not, might not have happened yet? No. I mean, I, I, you know,
3: I grew, God, this is getting. This is really getting crazy. I, I probably got my first inklings to go in that direction when I was in grade school, when I, when I was in, in Catholic school. Hmm and and uh, how, uh, how did
0: that happen? Did you know about acupuncture and Catholic no, school? I
3: didn't know anything about acupuncture but but, I, but when I was you know I, I was sent to Catholic school as a little kid and so you know I, I was really intrigued by by you know uh, all of the whole religious aspects of it as a really little kid mm-hmm. and then and then ended up rejecting that you know when I got a little bit older but but I was still like interested in like you know uh, just just spirituality in general, which kind of led me to start studying about Eastern religions, mm-hmm. and because that, that it, uh, appealed to me, you know, more than Catholicism did, and so I started to study about those things and started reading about Taoism, and and so that's probably where I first got my first inklings to to go in that direction at all. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Chinese medicine is is just a
1: branch of Taoism. Yeah, I knew that that Harmony had, had wanted very. Very, thought very strongly about going into Chinese medical school yourself, didn't you?
0: I did.
3: Yeah. Well, it's it's I I never reread it.
0: Yeah. It seems to blend really well with the yoga, and I think like the meridian system actually originated in India and came over to China with the Buddhist monks and many yogic texts and Buddhist texts.
3: Yeah. And then a lot of controversy and disagreement around that, depending on who you talk to, but that's kind of, that's right.
0: And then I think the, the Chinese uh, Taoist system, as you say, already had a lot of concepts of like chi and, you know, yin and yang and and this whole. It was all about
3: about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so the two kind of blended and became this beautiful system of acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine.
3: And that's also why Chinese medicine and, and, and Ayurvedic medicine are so complementary. They work very well together. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah, mm. and it's so interesting. Like the one thing that I find, you know, maybe different about them is the Ayurvedic uh, principle of the five elements are a little bit different than the uh, traditional Chinese yeah uh, philosophy of the five elements. You know, in, in the acupuncture they have the metal and um, wood and yeah. we don't have that in the Ayurveda. We just have the fire, earth, water, air, and space. But they do kind of map slightly, I think. What's it's your just, opinion? It's just a
3: different explanation for the same things, mm-hmm. and you know, a different way to understand it. You know, it's 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 uh, um, you know because of their cultures are different, so they're going to naturally have a, a, a different explanation and and uh, a different way to to perceive
0: that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about the five elements. Can, wow. you, t-
1: can you maybe explain like what Chinese medicine is?
0: Maybe <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> maybe just a a a little bit.
1: A synopsis.
0: A little bit. Wow.
3: It's, it's a it's a lifetime of study and a lifetime of understanding, and then you still don't get it, but
1: you, you lived in China for many years studying it, didn't you?
3: Not many years, about about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah. I mean, the five elements. You know, it's uh, fire,
2: mm-hmm.
3: wood, earth. Well, I should, should say wood, fire, earth, metal, water. Back mm-hmm. to back to wood, and they and they engender each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
3: wood will nourish fire. Yeah. Fire will nourish the earth, like the ash, right? Mm-hmm. And and the, and the earth will nourish metal. You know, like the the, the, the metal that's created from the earth. And then um, the metal will will nourish water. I don't know how, why, (laughs) (laughs) but somehow the metal will nourish water, and the water will nourish the wood. So it just goes around and around. And then there's also a a counter a counter uh, 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 production where where the wood will inhibit the earth, and the earth will inhibit the water, and the Mm -hmm. metal will inhibit the wood,
2: mm-hmm.
3: right, and so so you know so so you have these these uh, uh, of course you know if you if everything keeps nourishing each other you know you, you you have to have a control otherwise you'll just grow out of control right right so there has to be a control to to uh, to keep things in check so that's you know that's that's a big part of the balance of Chinese medicine and the five elements is that, that you know you get that must maintain this balance with with uh, these things nourishing or inhibiting the growth of of, of uh,
0: Right. So if you have like too much fire, then you need to add more water or. Yeah.
3: And, and you're right. Right. And, and, uh, and then maybe to strengthen the water, you've got to, uh, uh, you know, uh, nourish the, the metal. Right. So, mm-hmm. the, so the metal can nourish the water.
0: Right. Hmm. That's like the uh, trace, the trace minerals in the, in the water it makes it yeah. taste better.
3: So, so again, it's another, um, you know, just another equation to to explain something, a natural occurrence.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I found it interesting too is the the um, connection to like the emotions, the emotional side of things, and then also even like explaining social interactions with people. Yeah. Like it can kind of branch into all different areas of of well, existence.
3: That's that's, that's that's the whole uh, you know the whole idea of it being this holistic system because it doesn't it doesn't uh, leave out anything.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know everything's included. Yeah. And, you know and, and everything's affected. And you know there's no separation from from your emotions to your to your physical to your spiritual health. You know they're all they're all completely wound together
0: Mm
1: -hmm. sparky so when i met you in in 2010 i think october 2009 i I moved to to san francisco in 2010 i started teaching you probably um it was 2009 yeah okay it was october 2009 um i was a as you probably remember i was a complete wreck Um, yeah i was struggling to walk or sleep with yeah or stand or sit down without pain. So I was in constant pain. Yeah. And
0: because I, of the sciatica,
1: there was, well, I just want to ask Sparky what he remembers about it. What, what was my, the, the issues I was having. It, I, I remember you saying a lot that my heart channel was blocked and I, does that at all register? I don't remember that. Um, you know, I remember how how
3: stiff that you were feeling, mm-hmm. and that you had a lot of pain. Um, pain can, you know, often upset the heart channel. That, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. I've yeah. had so many patients since then; it's hard to really keep them all. But
1: <laughs> I, well, I was in such such bad shape, and you asked me to come to your office. You thought that I could help you. You thought yeah. that you could help me, yeah. and I ended up going to your office. I would go. I think sometimes twice a week. Yeah, the and beginning. then, and then I ended up like being like a. You started teaching me how to put needles into you.
3: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You
1: started teaching me like almost like an like a like an apprentice, but like a oh, like right. how you'd have like a six year old be an apprentice.
3: Yeah, I like, need someone to give me acupuncture.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and so I became an expert. I don't I don't know much about Chinese medicine but i know how to put needles into somebody yeah your
3: needling (laughs) technique was pretty good as i recall
1: (laughs) and so that went on for years and i think that it was actually literally years and years i was i would go to your your office every week and and learn how to do needles and do needles on you and you'd, you'd work on on my on my um pain and you got me back into fighting shape that way and it seemed to me at the time, like that, there was this understanding that um that there's when there's heat trapped in the body, or when there's any kind of blockage of energy in the body, that the needles and the acupuncture, or the acupressure, the herbs, all of that was was serving to in- increase movement of energy or or circulation. And yeah. there was even like trapped. I think you called it interstitial fluid at the base of the muscle. Can can you talk yeah. about that at all?
3: Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's uh, it's like the waste that your cells will create,
2: hmm.
3: will deposit it between the cells. Mm-hmm. So when you when you're using cups, for example, you're you're drawing that that waste out onto up to the surface, which so it's not. Uh, Creating a a blockage anymore. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not, it's allowing the energy to flow through. And that's why when you use cups, you know, you you feel instant relief. Yeah. Because you can, you can just get that stuff right out. It's like, it's kind of like taking, you know, it's kind of like removing cars from a traffic jam. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And, and, uh, and so, you know, it looks like, you know, a lot of people think that what you're doing is bruising them. Right. And and you can bruise people with cups. And I have been bruised with cups. But but if if actually what you're usually doing is you're not bruising people because if you're bruising them it would it would they would feel worse after you took the cups off but they always feel better yeah mm-hmm. and, and so uh, if if they're feeling worse after the cup after the cups it's possible that you bruised them
2: mm-hmm.
1: I, I just remember and I, all, my students in Taiwan especially were very concerned about me because whenever I got cupping done the it was the, always always the most intense blue Color blue, purple color imaginable. You know, yeah. some people have like a kind of soft red, or, or you yeah. do a cup and there's like no color at all. But like I would get really dark, really dark color, which said that there was like some real blockages happening. For yeah, me. that's
3: right. That's right. Th- that was when I was cupping you.
1: Yeah, that was certainly yeah. also true when you were cupping me. And I think you even encouraged me, and I and I did. I ordered my own cupping equipment so that I could do cupping on on myself at home.
3: Yeah. And, and, and I also remember that, that you really helped me out when, when I got a back injury one time. Also.
1: <gasps> oh, you were yeah. so met, You were so jacked. Yeah. That you like drove yourself in a crippled condition to my house. That's right. Yeah. In the middle of the night, like, like nine o'clock for a yogi. Yeah. And <laughs> it was nine o'clock at night. It was middle of the night. And I've been asleep for hours and I, and, um, you, I had to, like, do a whole kind of um, meditation room for you in my, in my bedroom and set up with candles and, and did cupping and needles and just to, to get any kind of relief out of you.
3: Yeah, it really helped. <laughs>
1: another, another time when That's Sparky good. almost died. Um, <laughs> um, you, why would putting a needle in someone help? What, what, does, what is it that's happening? Well, I mean,
3: I don't know if, if anyone can really explain that satisfactorily. And if anybody really knows the exact reason that that happens, I can tell you what I think. And I, I think it's because when you put a needle in somebody, um, you're creating a mini- miniature trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe a micro trauma. Mm-hmm. So you're calling your body's attention to that area to deal with it. Right, and, mm-hmm. and in so doing, it takes care of anything around it or anything mm-hmm. related to it, or because mm-hmm. it's got to get like you know, kind of your body kind of has to get the house in order. So, so and, that, and that's where the meridians come into to an effect. So, so let's say you know you have a meridian that uh, goes from your hand up to your jaw, and you have a toothache, and you do needling in the hand, and it helps the tooth. Well, it's because it start when you put the needle in the hand, it starts to Create that immune response all along the entire channel, right to your jaw, mm-hmm. and 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 you know the reason I like to use that meridian especially is because of my experience being electrocuted.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's yeah. a perfect. That's a perfect well, example of well,
3: where I the remember, meridian goes. Right, and I remember when I was when because it's, it's exactly what it does. It, it goes up, it goes up your hand, your arm, and out the opposite side of your face. Wow, mm-hmm. and, and and that's exactly the path that it took. And I remember when when uh, the teacher was explaining to us, like this is my first year in acupuncture school. He was explaining about meridians and people were having a hard time understanding about it, especially people who had Western training. Mm. And and I remember the teacher saying, you're, you're all going to have a hard time understanding this. I remember thinking to myself, I understand it totally. <laughs> I, <just don't laughs> yeah. what about.
0: I wow. have intimate experience with these energy channels.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's and and that's so phenomenal that it's, That it's not just um, mystical, but it's literal. Like it's literally happening.
0: Yeah, it's literal.
1: Because I remember coming to you and the pain that I was having is that when I would urinate, I would feel a sharp knife-like dagger stabbing into my big toe. Yeah. And I'm totally confused. I just knew that I would get a knife in my toe when I would pee and it was so much related to the disc that was compressing in my back that you were able to relieve through acupuncture. And you'd always like put them in like my pinkies, and I was like, "No, not my pinkies, not my pinky, not my yeah. pinky fingers, no." <laughs> or like yeah. the heel of my hand, and yeah. then that that would end up fixing the sciatica in that was running down into my toe. Yeah,
3: I think I, I think for the sciatica, I think I was doing the point. Uh, below your little finger uh <sighs> on the tent.
1: yes yes
3: uh, that, that, that that under the head of that bone right there that that, metac- that uh, uh, metacarpal or whatever metacarpal bone, yeah. yeah
1: you know what's um the the fourth metacarpal it's interesting like I, when I was working with you, I have to say that i i i became a little um prejudiced towards like I really always wanted you to just jab those needles right into the muscle that was clenching up, yeah, and like yeah, poke those, poke those, put like five needles into that into that contracted muscle because I wanted relief right now. But as I understand, you were studying a a Japanese style of no, acupuncture. No,
3: it, it was a it was a uh, uh, Dr. Tom who was who was in Taiwan.
1: Okay. Your teacher and, wasn't Japanese. I'm sorry.
2: Thailand. No,
3: no, no. It, it was. It was. A, it was a style that was that was put out by Dr. Tong, who uh, he lived in the 1970s, I think, or somewhere, mm-hmm. somewhere around that. And then his teachers, his students were my teachers. Mm.
1: Was she and, Japanese?
3: No. no oh no, no, my no. God. I, a woman named Susan Johnson. Although <laughs> I did, I, I, I did, I did have a Japanese teacher. Uh, <laughs> I, I took some classes, I, I was attempting to to learn about Japanese acupuncture, but it was so different than the acupuncture that I knew that I thought you got to, if you try to do all of them, you're going to one in itself. Oh. Okay. Because
1: yeah. I think I I I'd really been, I was, it made an impression on me when you started working with her, because you really yeah. did start changing your technique quite a bit to less, that was, that was, that, to that less needles. Susan, yeah. That was Susan Johnson. Okay. So I conflated yeah. the two. So why would less needles be better? I remember even seeing like a like a like a some kind of ad on the Super Bowl where a guy had had like the three thousand needles put into him and then the the house caught on fire and he had to like
3: Oh, I saw I, I showed you that ad. That that was a uh, that that's like <laughs> a, that that's a a Dutch uh, a, a Dutch company
1: that that put that ad out.
3: Uh, it it was it didn't air in, in the U.S. It was just right, not, not
1: and then people. he had to jump out of the house onto <laughs> yeah. one of these giant, you know, balloon pillows yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And it's like yeah. I'm covered in three thousand needles. Yeah. I cannot <laughs> yeah. do this.
3: Yes, yeah. why um, less needles is better. Um, well. Again, like I, I, I don't have a definitive answer to that. All I, I can only go by clinical results, mm-hmm. and um, you know the the results that I got using less needles tended to be better and longer lasting. Okay. Because sometimes, sometimes you can get an immediate result if you go right into the right into the uh, uh, area of pain. You might be able to get an immediate result, but I, I don't think it would last as long. Okay. I, th- I think uh it's kinda like if you're u- if you're if you're thinking of using a shovel, right? Mm-hmm. It's the lever of the shovel that makes the shovel strong. It's it's the it's the handle that, that's that's you know that's far from the shovel head mm-hmm. that, make, that makes that the lifting easy. Yeah. It's it's sort of like that. Okay. If that makes any sense. Oh, well, it be- doesn't make any sense to be, but-
1: No, it's beautifully said.
0: When I used to get acupuncture done, Pretty regularly, um, my acupuncturist always said that the yoga practitioners responded so well to the technique to the therapy, um, and his thoughts were because we were already like very tuned into our energy body into this this meridian system in some way, even a, a subconscious way. We could really feel the movement of the energy and maybe also that the channels were a little bit cleaner, they weren't so obstructed. What was your experience with treating a lot of, I guess you would have traded a lot of Ashtanga yoga practitioners in your day?
3: Well, you know, I didn't treat a lot, um, but I, I, I could I could see why that would be true. Um, that would make sense to me. I, I know that people who were proactive in their own health would always do better. mm mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, you know, and I would, I would assume any practitioners would, you know, would be, would be that way. Right. Yeah. They're trying to take so, care of
0: themselves and do yeah, something pretty regularly. They're,
3: they're highly motivated, you know, like <laughs> as opposed to some patients that would come in and, and like, you know, hoping for the magic bullet and they don't have to do anything.
2: Right. And,
0: yeah.
3: And that that usually wouldn't work out so well, but, but yeah, definitely uh, people who were, who, you know, were really in tune with their bodies would, would, would do well with acupuncture.
1: Mm. You, another thing that I remember you doing once is the ear points, which were yeah. it was kind of phenomenal. Is that you would do all of the the points in the ear, and I'd get and I'd be lying there, and I'd have something like twenty four tiny needles, the, the little <laughs> mini needles, in my ear. But what was phenomenal about that is how it so completely changed the the nervous system.
3: Yeah, I would use. Usually, I would use, uh, you know, no more than five points in the, in the year. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: okay. So five needles, but it's still transformative. It's still like it, it changes the 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 state of the nervous system from something you know aroused to something really relaxed.
3: Yeah, yeah. It it, it right away relaxes your nervous system. Hmm. Right away, and so so you know, I had a detox clinic on in the, at the there for nine years. where in the mission we, yeah, we were treating uh started out treating heroin patients and then basically treated anybody that uh uh you know any kind of addiction really mm-hmm. we treating and it was pretty amazing to see people like really strung out on heroin coming in there and and uh you know, and in a high state of anxiety and putting the needles in and within seconds, you see them like kind of like just. Go down. Yeah, just, you know that that was that that was really eye opening that, that detox clinic to me.
0: Wow, do it's you think
3: that acupuncture was you know you really demonstrated there?
0: Mm. Do Do you think that the acupuncture is really helpful for like treating all addiction? Then would would you see similar results for everyone? Um,
3: well, you know anything where you're you're. Central nervous system needs to take a break, I think, is going to be helpful, you know, to, to one degree or another. I mean, we certainly had lots of people who came in for various addictions and it didn't help them. Mm. I mean, you know, they, they, they may have felt better at that time, but they continued using, uh, especially cigarettes, you know, people who are smoking right. cigarettes. I, I would say like for cigarettes, that was the most difficult, uh, more, much more so than heroin. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I, would say my success ratio with, with cigarettes, you know, maybe 50, 50.
2: Yeah.
0: Mm. With hmm.
1: Well, I think there's something there about like, are you in an agitated state of distress? We can calm you down, but that's very different from someone who is, um, so wounded inside that the only yeah. thing that gives them love is, um, an external drug. Right. It's a different and- problem.
3: And and right and, and so a, a patient like this acupuncture is not enough. They they need to go you know a, a number of different uh, modalities. Angles. You know yoga being one of them. You know yoga yeah. acupuncture uh, western medicine uh, therapy. You know you just you know they they need to they need a, a multi pronged approach. Mm. Uh, for most people, acupuncture alone was not enough. Yeah. But but it can definitely calm them down at the moment and like get them like you know right give them a break.
1: Sparky, I, I have um, a particular issue that I think has is, is come up for me. And it reminds me of a, a patient that you once had that you were really struggling, that the whole situation, everyone was really struggling to work with this guy and to help him. Um, I think he was a guy in China that had come to you. And um, gosh, he had a real massive ulcer from, from using too much uh, spicy food.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't. Yeah, he
1: didn't come to me. I, I was. I was there though. But yeah. So, uh, like, he came in, and uh, it's too much spicy food.
0: Like a stomach ulcer. And the
1: guy has to stop eating spicy food, or he's yeah. gonna really hurt himself. And he comes into your office, and his wife is there. And and
3: <laughs> can you tell that story? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this was in Chengdu, in in Sichuan province, and of course we all know that Sichuan they love hot. Mm-hmm. Food. And you know, of course, the Sichuan pepper is famous all over the world, and so they, they put they put hot spices on everything. I mean, they just love it, and and, uh, and people are really addicted to it. And the more you eat, the more you eat that kind of stuff, the more you need it because it starts to it starts to dull out your senses. Mm-hmm. You think so? Oh yeah, you start to lose your taste. Oh,
1: that's and, okay. And, and, and
3: so, and this guy claimed that the reason he ate it is because. He had ate so much pepper, and he had bleeding ulcers, oh. and that's what he was coming in for. And and the reason that that uh, uh, the doctor said to him, you know, why you know why do you why can't you stop? Like why do you have to have all this pepper? And and I, I don't remember the amount that he was having, but it, it was insane what he was. And believe me, the doctor was also a lover of hot food too. She wasn't exactly someone who didn't eat spicy food. Mm-hmm. And she and she said, why do you have to have all this? Pepper, mm-hmm. and he said, "If I don't have it, I can't take. T- t- I
1: can't taste the food." Yeah, I know that. That's that's the feeling. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm. Ta- that's the issue I'm having. Okay, keep going. Yeah,
3: he, he said, "I can't taste the food." Now that's that's a sign in Chinese medicine of of, of uh, uh, spleen qi deficiency.
1: <gasps>
3: oh. and, to, and to his to his uh, uh, case, you know, he had not only spleen qi deficiency, but he had like blood stagnation and. Um, um, you know he he had a lot of damage going on with his stomach, and so uh, I forget where I was going with the story. Oh yeah, so his wife he said he said uh, uh, he came in he came in one time and I only saw him a few times but he, he came in he came in one time and the doctor said so are you have you cut down on your pepper and he said oh yes 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 and his wife said no you're he's lying he's lying. He, he, <laughs> He's just as much as he always does, and and uh, you know that, that's been. You know, she asked him like, "Why does he have to eat all that pepper?"
1: <laughs> this is that. That's just the picture of that woman sitting there. No, he's lying. Oh, he's yeah, lying. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: just
3: and,
1: like, uh, and this was. This looked like um, you know a couple
3: that had been together for many many years. You they were probably like in their fifties. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: Wow. You you know one thing that. um, I also loved about what you do as an acupuncturist and the kind of magic that you do because you you do really rely on on. I well let me, let me rephrase it it the whole experience is transformative, and it, it is really helpful to go into these these states um, when you're getting treatment because the whole thing is 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 about balancing your nervous system. One of the loveliest things that you would do is that you would play your guitar yeah and your guitar playing is magnificent <laughs> it, so i don't think m- people probably at home don't don't know of course that you're um your uh, guitar student and your mohican of course is is the guitarist for jefferson airplane calphin mm. Yeah, no one can remember. pronounce that guy's name. Do you? I, I was thinking about you. Do you remember the the film A Simple Man, the Coen Brothers' film? Yes, yes, yes. And the rabbi is talking to the yeah. kid, and the he's Jefferson listing Airplane. all the members of Jefferson Airplane, yeah. Grace Slick, and the, going through all of them. Um, the 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 guitar, the bass player, and then he gets to the the guitar, and he can't remember the guy, how to say the guy's yeah. name. He can't like uh how. It, it's a Finnish name. Hmm. So he's Finnish, uh, partly. Yeah. How do you say it? Kaukonen. It's Kaukonen. Yeah. Kaukonen. Cal- oh, you say that. You say. K
3: a I think it's K a u k e n o n.
1: And so that, like that song, like the embryonic journey, like he's just—it's yeah. just magnificent guitar yeah. playing. Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible you could you could play a little bit for us before we go?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I could. Please. You want to hear "Embryonic Journey"?
1: Yeah, can you do that one?
3: <laughs> I, I haven't played that song in a long time, but I'll try it to see. Oh can... my
1: God! Can you hear it? Yeah, perfectly, it's, perfect. it's beautiful.
0: so beautiful oh
1: my god (laughs) I haven't
3: played that one in a long time so there's a few mistakes in there but uh
0: we we couldn't tell (laughs) Sparky (sighs) you're a
3: that's the embryonic journey (laughs) that was one of of Yorma's first songs that he had written Mm. definitely had an effect on me when I heard it
2: Yeah.
0: yeah it's beautiful you're a man of many talents it's true. Yeah,
1: i I just want to thank you so much for being on the show, Sparks.
3: Oh, it's been a blast. Anytime.
1: Can how could people charter a sailboat with you if they wanted to to go out on the on water with you?
3: Well, I work for different companies, so so you'd have to get a hold of those companies. One is uh, Captain Kirk Sailing in San Francisco, like the Star
1: to... Trek guy.
3: Yeah, yeah. CaptainKirkSailing
1: dot com. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That the guru was on. Yes, yes.
1: that's right.
3: And uh, the other companies would be would be uh, Gaslight.
2: Oh, that's, that's, easy, that's easy to, to remember. To remember.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, th- those would be the the two that I would recommend. Yeah. Okay.
0: And are you still doing acupuncture for people or no?
3: Well, I you know once the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. I made my license inactive.
0: Okay. Right.
3: Yeah. I was pretty much phasing it down to where I was doing mostly boat work. You know, I used to do mostly acupuncture with boat work on the side. And I've over the years, you know, I've kind of been changing it to go mostly boat work and acupuncture on the side. Now my license is inactive, so I'm only doing acupuncture for like, you know, my friends or family or, you know, just just not doing it as a as a uh, as a regular practice for nice. supporting myself. Okay.
2: Well,
0: that's good. That simplifies things. Yeah. Simplify to amplify. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, right. Well, I just want to say on behalf of the most interesting man in the world, <laughs> stay thirsty, mis amigos.
0: yes. <laughs> do you even like doseki beer?
1: Um
3: uh, look well, I, I don't drink a lot of beer, but I do like dosekis, it's not bad.
0: There you go.
1: When you need a beer, drink dosekis. <laughs> I don't do drink a lot of beer, but when I do, it's always dosekis. <laughs>
0: We do not, what do you, what do you say? We, we do not. We don't have this, a. This podcast is not promoting drinking of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> Drink responsibly. <laughs> uh,
1: oh my God. Well, we're going to get well, yeah, emails has, for sure. Mind
3: of, of a story that I once heard about somebody began their story about how they robbed a bank. And, and the beginning of the story was that we, we were, responsibly smoking crack
2: oh my gosh.
1: <laughs> that would have been at the clinic right that's the story you heard at the clinic
3: luckily that's not my story
1: yeah Oh,
0: dear. Wow. well whatever you do do it responsibly <laughs> that's
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank um, you so much for uh, meeting with us today I love so you
1: sparks you guys.
3: anytime man anytime just call me up
1: I miss you I miss you too Uh.
0: thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony with me your host Harmony Slater you can find out more information on my website harmonyslater.com and I look forward to connecting with you again soon
2: Standing in eternity's shadow Watching the breaking there's a hard wind and the soil.